This is a Stand Up Labs production, powered by digital media. Guys, on today's episode, we have a bunch of really nice freeform conversations. Wouldn't you say, Joey? Yes, I would. We get into some controversial topics. We talk about the gray area in American culture and how I think it's disappearing in front of our very eyes. We also get into an extremely disappointing 2016 update. Stick around, commiserate with us. Stay tuned. Tori Sampson podcast coming to you live. Stand up New York Labs. It's Chris Flannery. It's Joey Noe. Hi, everyone. It's Evan producing. What up? Welcome to the program, everyone. Tried a little something different at the top there, Joey. Yeah, I saw that. You like it? That's all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're going to get into a couple of emails in a few minutes, Joey, to get us started on this program. Uh, then we're diving headlong. It's the most disappointing 2016 update of the year. No. Yeah. Followed by a laundry list of quick hits for the rest of the program. We're going to get into climate change. Peter Ling or Peter Lang, however you pronounce it. The Akai girly cop that killed him. Corporate taxes. Anders Breivik. Harriet Tubman. Kurt Schilling. Well, we got a little of everything. Yeah, we got a little bit of everything. It's a smorgasbord. I think it's going to be a good episode. We can have a little more freeform conversation. I think it's going to be fun. Before we get into any of that stuff, I just want to say thanks to everyone that's gone onto iTunes and uh, given a little comment, a little rating, a little review. Really appreciate it. That helps the show a lot. Yeah, thanks, guys. Um, please feel free. If you haven't done that, go give it a shot. That'd be nice. Because, again, that like helps you get up on the charts, helps you get a little bit more listeners, helps you maybe get a little more sponsors, whatever. It, it could be good. Um, but thank you very much. We appreciate all the support, as always. Um, numbers are going up, Joey. Nice. People are talking about the program. It's good. It's all about the numbers, bro. That's, that is my motto in life. Absolutely. I'm just like, I don't care if this show has to sell out to anyone. It's just about the numbers. I need to make more numbers and make more money. That's what it's about. I'm a shill. It's too early for that, isn't it? To shill? No, it's never too early to shill. <laughs> okay. Um, let me ask you this. Yes. A couple of deaths today. I feel like we got to get get this off the at the top of the show. I think we got to mention it. Yes. It is with deep sadness to inform you <laughs> that we uh-huh. lost a true icon, a real life superhero. Wow. Joanne Lawler. AKA China. Oh. The ninth wonder of the world. <laughs> what a what a misdirect. Everybody was expecting Has pr- away. Prince. Uh you went with China first. I went with China first. Yep. Yep. China. I mean, I don't know what happened there, but definitely a part of my childhood for sure in the WWF at the time. The yep. WWE. Yeah. She was uh the intercontinental champion. Yep, the first woman yeah. woman uh, intercontinental champion in, in pro wrestling. Sure. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, she had a tough tough life, I think. She had she went through some stuff. And uh, yeah, God rest her. Rest mm-hmm. in peace, China. And then also the other one that I think people are probably talking about is uh, Prince died today too. Yeah, that's at 57. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Chi- what was China? 47. Yeah, uh, 45. 45, yeah. No good. Any guesses on the third person? 
Well, that's what I was saying, but then Shelby was like, Doris Roberts died the other day. Who? Doris Roberts from Everybody Loves Raymond. She's a famous actress. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's three. Yeah. Grandma's Boy, which I know we're already past uh, 420, but that's a... That's a good one to... It's a great one. Smoke a little bit and watch a little Grandma's Boy. That's a fun movie. Um, but anyway, yeah. So Doris Roberts is actually the first one, not the third one. So there huh. you go. Uh, thoughts on Prince? Uh, I w- really wasn't much into him. I just know he did Purple Rain. So that's about it on the Prince for me. Yeah. there's one. My, probably my favorite Prince song is Darling Nikki. I really like that song. I don't know why. Um, but anyway, yeah. I mean, I wasn't like a gigantic Prince fan, but... You know, it's the same thing with like Bowie. It's just a, an artist. You know, it's somebody that's like a true artist dying, and that's tough to, you know, that's that always sucks to lose somebody like that. Yeah, even if, I'll say this: this is even something I noticed. Like somebody tweeted it. Prince's avatar on Twitter mm-hmm. was like a cartoon picture of his face, and he was wearing glasses in that, and also had a, like a glasses, you know, a lens where your third eye would be, and like mm-hmm. that was his avatar for the longest time. And when he died, they replace the avatar like yeah. immediately with him with his eyes closed no glasses and the third eye open which is insane it's like that just That's shows creepy. you what kind of a, it's a little i mean it could be creepy but it's a, it just shows you incredibly what kind of you know like even even to that degree he was that type of artist like crafting his image you know what i mean so you think he thought about his death uh, of course i've like all artists like that are, of course biggie did tupac you know like yeah you run the gamut every every, every artist uh kind of does that type of thing yeah of course so why would prince be any different sure you know because then they lose control of that art and that image once they're gone you know i mean not that they're gonna care and but then it's left up to the public exactly which you know don't uh don't nobody ever went broke underestimating the taste of the american public so uh there you go all right joey so there we go off the top rest in peace to china and prince and doris roberts I hope you're with the angels now. Definitely with the angels. Okay. Um, all right. You want to get into some emails here? I got a couple of emails that we'll get into, and then we'll, uh, you know, we're going to get into this 2016 update. Obviously, Bernie, very disappointing. I don't want to talk about it. I don't really want to either. All right. We got an email. Oh, let me say this. I just want to shout out to Daniel, who sent a very nice email. Uh, it was a long one, and I answered him. I told him I'm not going to have time to get to it this week, but I will get a chance to over the next week, probably before the next episode, and we'll probably bring up what he had to say, and I'll, okay. you know, we'll, we'll talk about it next week, but I just wanted to let him know that we got it, and I appreciate it. All right. First email we got is from Justin. He says, hey, Chris and Joey. First of all, love the podcast. Started listening a few months back after getting brought over from the J Train podcast. On last week's episode, uh, you talk about the Republicans, Democrats, both being, quote, owned by business primarily, and just wanted to share with you something you may or may not have already seen from the Political Compass site you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, politicalcompass.org. That was where we did that, you know, um, authoritarian, libertarian, and then like kind of socialist and whatever, conservative economic chart thing, which is pretty interesting. Uh, The chart, he says, with the 2016 candidates really gives you really gives you perspective into how vastly different Sanders is from Hillary when it comes to his economics and not being primarily owned by business. It's quite stunning that Hillary is nearly as far to the right economically as the Republican candidates on the chart. Really eye-opening. Just wanted to share in case you guys didn't get a chance to see the chart. A fellow Bernie supporter and converted Samsonite. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. And I didn't see that chart, actually. Um... We're looking at it right now. Yeah, Bernie's the only one of all the candidates running that's on the left side of the economic scale. Not as far left as people would assume. That's the thing, where he gets kind of couched as this, like, 
anti-capitalist. He's really anti-corporatist. I don't think he's he's against capitalism. He just he's for like a moral economy capitalism. You know what I mean? Uh, but yeah, Hillary is pretty much in line with Bush, Trump, Cruz, Rubio. Rubio's the farthest to the right, but they're all up in the authoritarian, far right economic, uh, you know, government scale there. Do you know what was shocking? I also took a look at the 2012 uh, political compass they did for the politicians. And Hillary Clinton is more to the right today than Obama was when he ran. Oh, I no, of course. Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm not shocked by that. That's the thing we, and that we always talk about the country is middle of the road, or more right-leaning. I think we're kind of a conservative right nation. And Hillary is a moderate. And and that essentially means she's in the middle, which means she's kind of to the right. Uh, of course. You're, uh, Jared uh, from J-Trade J- Podcast said it really well yesterday. He was like, Hillary's the best Republican candidate left. <laughs> and he's like, correct, <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of Obama's policies were... Romney policies in Massachusetts. You know what I mean? Like It's all like to the right a little bit, which is... Frustrating, and that's why this 2016 update is going to be a real bummer because the the actual candidate of the left and somebody who's a real progressive is not going to be the nominee, probably. So, anyway, but uh, yeah, you guys go check out that chart that's on the Political Compass site. It's a pretty good, um, you know, it's a cool thing to to check out. Second email we got, and then we'll get into the uh, the 2016 update. This is from Connor, who we talked about last week. He said, "Hey, thanks for mentioning me on your show. The way uh, the show last episode." That was fucking cool. Well, good. I'm glad nice. you thought that was cool. <laughs> um, I haven't given much thought to Jill Stein until you went pretty in-depth with that interview last episode. Originally, I was pretty caught up in the notion of voting for the lesser of two evils, which is a shame because both party frontrunners are despicable, to say the least. Uh, one of them, Trump, is a little more despicable, but but yeah, Hillary is not, uh, <laughs> not far behind. Unfortunately, I probably wouldn't have voted this election if I ran with the aforementioned mentality. On a related note, the fact that you read my email makes this podcast feel that much more democratic, unlike Jill's description of the American legal system. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would like this. Now this is really the crux of this email. Mm-hmm. He goes, I would like to make a challenge to you. I love challenges. Time, I, you know, sometimes I'll take one. Every time you want to add a segment about Trump, you should add an equal segment length about Jill Stein. You frequently go over how Trump gets too much free advertising. Why not give Jill Stein some airtime? Anyways, keep up the good work. And as always feel the bird. I appreciate it, Connor. That's it. I like the idea. I told him it's an, it's an interesting challenge. I don't know how practical it's going to be simply because there's going to be way more shit about Trump to talk about. You know what I mean? Like as we go forward. It, um, but yeah, I mean, I could definitely try to mix in some Jill Stein stuff. How, how do you feel about this, Joey? Oh, definitely. We should add some Joe Stein stuff. I just think we're going to run out of stuff to talk about though. With Jill? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like she's not doing nearly as much as Trump would be doing. So because Trump loves the attention. Loves, loves, loves the attention. Well, the media benefits from him. That's the, you know, that's what it is. Um, all right, Joe, you ready to get into this 2016 update? Yes, I am. On Tuesday night, mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump won their respective New York primaries by impressive margins. I got results. Do you want to hear them, Joey? I do not. <laughs> you don't want to hear it? Uh, I also have a Hillary Clinton... Uh, all right, well, let's get into the numbers first. Hillary Clinton in the New York primary beat Bernie Sanders 58 to 42, uh, which was a bigger margin than the polls were even indicating. Hillary received 139 delegates, whereas Bernie Sanders took 106, shy of what he needed, which was like 129 delegates or something. And obviously he needed to win, but he didn't do that. On the Republican side, Donald Trump 
60.4% of the vote. He took 89 delegates. John Kasich came in second place, 25.1% of the vote, four delegates. And Ted Cruz, 14.5% of the vote, zero delegates. But that was kind of expected. This is not Cruz country by any means. Uh, Trump will likely fall 50 delegates shy of the 1237 that he needs for the nomination threshold, which I believe the RNC came out yesterday and was like, if people don't get to the threshold, all bets are off. We're going to have to do the, uh, so it's get the amount or you're out pretty Mm -hmm. much. So it's going to go to a second ballot. And then that's how Trump's not going to become the nominee. Now there's two things I'm really upset about. First of all, you have 3 million independent voters that did not get to vote in the primary because it's a closed primary. Right. Yes. So that's one strike. Second strike. Well, why is that a strike? I mean, let's talk about that a second because okay. I've heard a lot of people like bitch about that. The, um, the, but, like, that was the rule. You know what I mean? Like, people mm-hmm. are going to the poll, they're complaining that they didn't get to vote, but you can't be an independent. I mean, that, that's unfortunate, but get involved before the day of and try to have the rules changed or, or work on it for next time. But like the, that type of complaining is, is really, that's stupid to me. Like that doesn't make okay. sense. Like I wasn't registered at all because I just moved here and I didn't have to vote in New York yet. And I registered as a Democrat because that was the only way to vote for Bernie. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Like you can't just expect to show up and be like, well, what, what? Like, no, that they took, Maybe they didn't tell you, but you should have done a little bit of research beforehand, you know. And the other thing is, did you hear about the 125,000 Democratic voters, uh, the votes that were stripped away by the city board of elections? I, I heard b- bits about here's Here's what I'll say. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming you have more about that. Yes. Okay, so you get into it in a second. What I'll say about it is, after the, I mean, he lost by 16 percentage points. That's not the 125 that he lost by like hundreds of thousands of votes. Add those 125 to his total right now. It doesn't make a difference. Now, that being said, yeah, of course, it's a problem when voters are being turned away and whatever, but why don't you tell me what happened? Like, why were they being turned away? All right. Apparently, um, there was 12... Okay, so apparently on the books, there was like 12,000 who moved out of New York. Then there was 70,000 that were just removed from the books from the books that nobody understands and 44,000 were in active voting status so i guess they never registered again yeah that's well right i mean you don't have any more on that i mean that's the thing that's the thing that i heard like what what difference is it? What, what, why is there such a thing as active voter status that's ridiculous if you register to vote and you don't die you're a voter like why why should you have to that's that's the fucked up thing about it, but is that something that's been in place and has happened before, or do they just make that up when people went to the polls? I, I guess it's happened before. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. See, so that's the thing. It's like, I think that voting should be very easy in this country. I think the idea of voter fraud and that people are manipulating the vote. Do you know how many people you'd have to get to go and manipulate the vote to make a, a sizable impact in like a place like New York. Yeah. Small counties that have like 80 people voting. Sure. You could probably get, you know, you, you can make a difference by doing that, but like voting should be extremely easy. It's the, it's, it's what we pride ourselves on as a democracy, the right to vote, the right to go voice your whatever opinion mm-hmm. through the, through the ballot. So it should be extremely easy for people to go vote. I don't think there should be any kinds of hoops like this shit in place. That being said, I'm not apologizing for it, but but 
if you're so into voting and you want to be involved in this process, check, check to see what the process is. Maybe a little bit, you know what I mean? Granted, the process could be a lot easier, but I, I don't necessarily have that much. Unless it's something they just made up, I'm sure this active voter status, that's a thing that's probably been around for a long time, I bet. So here's a question for you. When you show up to your location that you're supposed to vote, yeah. and the, all three of the machines on the premises are broken, how would you feel? I would be infuriated, yeah. You would be, because that yeah. did happen. Yeah, but see, that's now that is a legitimate grievance. Now, it's, is that going to affect the outcome of the election? No, probably not. But that's somebody being denied the, the, their right. And yeah, no, of course, that's ridiculous. Not only that, but let's say you went to another polling place. Uh-huh. They're supposed to be open at 6, but it's 7. 6 a.m. you're saying. 6 a.m., but it's 7.30 and they haven't opened yet. Yeah, no, I mean, shit like that is absolutely atrocious. It's not, again, it's not the type of stuff that's necessarily going to be the difference in an election, but it is is maybe the difference in I'm not going to vote anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, it's disenfranchising people. And some of that stuff is just humans being humans. It's like fucking up or, yeah, I'm supposed to be there at six, but I'll get there at 7.30. Like, it's that type of shit, which, you know, that always comes into account and there's probably not much you can do about that. But yeah, it's extremely frustrating when the other thing about election days like this, make it a fucking holiday in New York. So people like, can do You're it. off today. Yeah. You got to go vote. It's part, it's the whole reason any of this shit exists is because of this whole government thing. Like, you go participate in it. Like, it's, it's pretty important. I want to say that I want to start a revote. I think New York has to oh, revote. Shit. Ju- uh, do it June 7th, the same day as Jersey. Be great. Like revote? Yeah, nah, revote. You can't do that. You can't do it. I mean, it's it's tempting and I understand, but like, look, man, at a certain point, if, first of all, if you're a Hillary supporter, you're like, fuck that. Like, she got a lot of votes. She won the whole thing. So if I was on that side of the coin, I'd, I, I wouldn't. And also there was no real problems on the Republican side. So, you know. It just kind of is what it is, unfortunately. Um, Bernie's campaign. Oh, you know what? Why don't we watch Hillary? I'll tell you what. Let's watch Hillary's, uh, her acceptance speech, her victory speech here. And uh, then we'll get into some of the other stuff that Bernie's campaign is saying and some other, a little bit of a 2016 update after that. All right. Okay. This is Hillary Clinton after winning the New York primary pretty handily. New York. Today, today. You proved once again there's no place like home. And to all the people who supported Senator Sanders, I believe there is much more that unites us than divides us. The race for the Democratic nomination is in the home stretch and victory is in sight. Under the bright lights of New York. Yeah. I've seen so much shit, like so many of these articles that come out where like women are complaining that... Yeah, of course people make fun of Hillary's voice. People make fun of a lot of people's voice, but let's be honest, Hillary's voice is annoying. And it's not because she's a woman. I don't know why her voice is annoying. It just is. If Ted, I find Ted Cruz's voice irritating, people made fun of Ben Carson, his speaky, speech patterns and how slow he talks and like he's like putting people to sleep. Is that because he's a guy? No, it's it's just because it's the truth. Like we, we before we were, we got into this whole thing, we we were bullshitting me, you and Evan about America Ferrara wrote this horrific editorial on the Huffington Post. I said mm-hmm. I wasn't going to get into it, but I am in a little bit where she's essentially saying 
uh, people say that, you know, women are just voting for Hillary because she's a woman and that's not true. But then she also used phrases like, I literally want to Netflix and chill with Hillary and like, blah, blah. and it's like just, a, it's, it's a horrifically written, aggravating article that, that just denies the seriousness of what's going on and also denies the fact that guess what? Some women are voting for Hillary because she's a woman. Some white people are only voting for Donald Trump because he's white. Some black people only voted for Obama because they're black. It doesn't mean that that is the only reason people would vote for these people. But but let's not pretend that that's a thing where you kind of stick to, um, you'd feel more inclined to support somebody that is, quote unquote, like you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. See, I believe in... But yeah, her voice is horrifically annoying. It's not because she's... It, it just is. Well, I, I believe that, on you know, that people should have an opinion about what's going on. And if the politicians fall in line with what you believe... Yeah, well, that would be the right way to do it. Yeah, yeah. of course. But we've talked about that a number of times. Are you afraid of the other guy? Well, then you need to vote for me. Like, okay, great. That's how we run politics in this country. Um, all right. Anyway, that's a little sidebar. But if you guys feel like it, go go read that America Ferrara, uh, Ugly Betty, incidentally, who she played. Read that Huffington Post editorial. It was really, I didn't care for it. I think you got to stop giving out free publicity. Chris. No, I'll talk to America Ferrara if she wants to come on the podcast. That's the thing. If you okay. guys want to, you know, tweet her, let her know. The Mandatory Sam's podcast is talking about your article. I thought it was childish and a little short-sighted and a lot of the reasons she put out there for supporting Hillary are just they're kind of these nebulous reasons um, and they sound like campaign talking points so okay but look if America Ferrara wants to come on and, and, and talk to us about it I would be more than happy to do that we got a seat we got a seat open she can come in come in the studio it's fine saying that it's not enough to diagnose problems you have to explain how you'd actually solve the problems Ah, you know, good. Where is the, Let me ask you this. She hasn't explained how yeah, she would solve where the Where has Hillary really explained how to solve the problems any more than Bernie has? Ah, uh, the magic of the debate. Yeah. Coming clearer that this may be one of the most consequential elections of our lifetimes. They say that every year. Well, I, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was when I was listening to it the first time. I was like, that's fucking every, every year. But... The the reason why it's true is because every time somebody becomes president, they control the nuclear arsenal and they get to pick a Supreme Court justice. <laughs> like, that's what it is. They control the military. They have, you know, say over who we atomically bomb and, you know, they could appoint a Supreme Court justice. But other than that, yeah, it's kind of it's always the same stakes for the most part. I mean, climate change is sort of a ticking time bomb that needs to be taken care of, too. But you're right, Joe. It's, it's a pretty classic talking point. Were you going to say something there? Nope. All right. Waiting for you to hit play. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz are pushing a vision for America that's divisive and frankly dangerous. And we have a very different vision. It's about lifting each other up, not tearing each other down. So let's go out and win this election and all rise together. All right, there you go. That is the, in my opinion, Democratic nominee for president and probably the future president of the United States. A question for Yes, Joey, I'm listening. All ears. If her, like, like, truth rating is so low, like, people believe her or not. Her, her, her trustworthiness. His trustworthiness. Yeah. 
how does a crowd of people factor into that? Because they all seem to trust her. Oh, please, Joe. I mean, they're, look, like all of those polls about her trust, who trusts her, who doesn't trust her, it's a lot of uninformed idiots that just assume they hear it on TV so they think it's true, you shouldn't trust her. Although, let's be honest, I mean, Hillary's probably not very trustworthy. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's people that support, like, for example, when Bernie, before, before this, the night before the primary, Bernie held a rally and had like 30,000 people there. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you go, my God, Bernie's going to win this thing. He's got a lot of them. That's 30,000 people. Do you know how many people vote in New York? Millions of people. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's a small set. You can get a small sample of people that stand behind Hillary Clinton. You can get people at a, at a, a, a TV show taping that don't know shit about that TV show and they're going to act like that's their favorite show on TV, you know? Mm-hmm. So that, that's what it is. It's just optics. That's how it works out. Because when I hear she say, all of us raised together, yeah. I don't believe her. No, you shouldn't believe her. You shouldn't believe her. Yeah, you shouldn't. Maybe she means, look, she's probably better fractionally than people on, than on the right on certain issues. Probably a lot of social issues is what, you know, where the major difference would be. But when it comes to war and judgment and, and, and dealing with corporations, I, I got to believe it's very similar to what they're going to do. And we just looked at the chart that, uh, you know, Justin pointed out to us. It's like, yeah, yeah. That she's very similar to these people. Bernie is an actual different choice. But I think there's too many people that are not paying attention to the to what is actually going on. They're not diagnosing the real problem, which is money in politics, that keeps us from having a a, good, a a true democracy or you know a democracy that works actually for the people. And you know, at the end of the day, this is a lot, that's it. It's, it's, Hillary's just going to get the votes because she has name recognition. She's been there, and people just assume like, yeah, it's fine. She's a Democrat, so she's better than the Republican. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, it's frustrating. Flip. Other side of the coin, Bernie's campaign is showing no signs of closing up shop. In fact, it seems as they're as resolute as ever. Um, I have a couple of quotes here in the email, and then we'll get to our famous 538 charts that we'll take a look at. Mark Longabaugh, who's the top Sanders campaign aide, says, we intend to go to the convention and make the superdelegates vote. Ben Winkler, who or Wickler, excuse me, is a is the Washington director of MoveOn.org, which is a pretty liberal organization that you know gets out the vote and supports candidates. He says more than three hundred eighty thousand MoveOn.org members have signed petitions supporting a simple principle: the Democratic nominee should be the person who wins the primaries and caucuses. MoveOn members overwhelmingly endorse Sanders for president, and we want him to win the most pledged delegates, become the nominee, and become president. But super delegates shouldn't overrule the will of the Democratic grassroots. If the primary and caucus winner is Hillary Clinton, then Hillary should be the nominee. If it's Bernie Sanders, then Sanders should be the nominee. Joseph, thoughts on the Sanders, because I have some thoughts about it, thoughts mm-hmm. on the Sanders campaign saying that they're going to keep going to the to the, the um, convention the convention, and have the superdelegates vote. Obviously, Hillary has a tremendous advantage in the superdelegates. I thought going into New York that if Bernie could win New York, keep it close, whatever, but win New York, then he'd have a very valid argument to have the superdelegates switch sides. And then, you know, it'd probably give him a lot of momentum going forward, potentially win California and actually win the nomination outright. I think with this loss, it's a bad loss. I don't think, I don't think he has any credible mathematically. He could still do it, but I think it's very unlikely. I mean, it's super unlikely that he would become the nominee based on pledge delegates. And I think it's a little bit bogus, to suggest that now the superdelegates should switch sides and give Hillary, you know, uh, give Bernie the nomination, even though Hillary has the popular vote. I mean, the only way to do it, 
he, he can't do it. No. No, he can't. I mean, he might try to do it, but it's not going to work. The, the superdelegates are not going to switch. First of all, the superdelegates have never done that. And that their, their whole purpose, the whole purpose of the superdelegates, this is what Megan, um, I'm assuming, frantically emailed us about <laughs> last week, uh, that they're there to protect the, the establishment candidate. And Hillary Clinton is 100% that candidate. They're not, and she is winning. There's no doubt about that. She is winning enough pledge delegates. She has the superdelegate support. She's got all the endorsements. That's it. There's no reason to assume that they're going to switch and they shouldn't switch. I love Bernie. I think that we're heading down a really bad road. This could have been an extremely consequential election if we had Bernie as the nominee. And I would think likely he would become president then at that point. It's not going to happen. And I, and I think it's almost doing a disservice now to the movement by having him do this. Cause it's very easy then to just dismiss him and be like, look, he's sour grapes sore loser here. You know, the, the only way I could see them doing it is Bernie kicks ass for the rest of the primaries. Yeah. Which he won't though. That's the thing. He's and then they go him. to the convention uh-huh. and they actually find out e- well, each of those super delegates are who they are. Let the people know how, yeah, but why? Everyone voted, so they have to vote the same way that the people no, voted. No, but that's not how it works. This this is the thing. It's the same people that are going to go to the polls and be like, I'm an independent. I want to vote. No, that's not how it, it is. just not how it works. You've known about these rules for the entire time. Bernie got behind in delegates early. He didn't get any superdelegate support, which there's a my- myriad factors why that would be the case. But he hasn't, he simply hasn't won enough actual delegates that are at stake that vote for him. He hasn't won enough to make that argument credible for the superdelegates to switch. I'd love to see it happen had he won New York. Mm-hmm. That'd be great. But then I think you're kind of invalidating the process, which can be changed, but it's not going to be changed this year. I'm not saying it's a perfect system, but it is what it is. I mean, to to to, I think it, I think it's ridiculous. And I, and at a certain point, I think he should consider dropping out. Honestly, or do you know what he could do? What? And I don't want to say that. I don't want that to be the case. But I think he. He's not gonna. He can't win. He's he's not gonna win now. It's over. You put all the eggs in one basket. You yeah. fly out to California now. Yeah, and you just go crazy in California. I guess. I mean, you're you're really just a hopeless romantic, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, I am. It's uh, yeah. The I last mean, stand. Yeah, because he's not. But that's the thing. If he was gonna win all the states between now and California, fine. But he's not. He's gonna lose some in between there too. Like he's just too far behind. We talked about it. We're looking at the math. Yeah. In New York, he needed a. 128 delegates. He got 108 or whatever, 106. It's like, it's not enough because he didn't get enough in all the other states. So then it's like, you're just compounding. You'd have to win California by like 70%. You know, Man, like, that's never going to It's ridiculous. So it's not going to, he's down. He's down in California. As much as frustrating as it, as it is, we'll, we'll wrap up with this. Let's say this. Well, and then I have a couple more you know, okay. little stories, but this is as far as the Bernie thing is concerned. It's frustrating that Bernie's not going to win. I think I believe in my heart that we needed Bernie to win um, as a country, whether people want to agree with that or not. It's not because of the socialist aspects. It's not because of the progressive policy, which no doubt is something I support. It is simply about the issue that he started running on, which is getting money out of politics and allowing the will of the people to be done within our democracy. Hillary is who people want. Whether that's because they're paying attention, they're not paying attention, they don't care, they're scared of Trump, whatever it is, she's winning. And that's how this system works. And unfortunately, Bernie might be a victim of the very system he's trying to fix, but at the end of the day, what are you going to do? You can't pretend that she's not getting the votes. 
It is what it is. It sucks, but she is getting the votes and she's going to win and she's going to be the president. So that, so that's it. But understand that the lesson is not, this is over. No, it's not over. You can still support Bernie Sanders. He's still going to be in the Senate. Support people that Bernie Sanders works with. Start a movement. Realize that the things that Bernie Sanders has said during this campaign are extremely valid. A lot of people got on board. Way more people than anybody would have ever expected. And then look at the reasons why he lost. Is it because he's not a perfect candidate? Is it because he didn't have, you know, whatever. You diagnosed the whole thing. How much is the system to blame? And then work to change that system. Get involved. Try to vote against that stuff. Campaign against it. Talk about it with your friends. Like, that's where the change will actually happen. And unfortunately, that's the only change that we're going to get because of this Bernie run. That's it. That You know what I mean? Like, that's going to be his legacy. And God bless him. That was a great legacy. And I... And I Really, we should all appreciate what he's done. He's highlighted a lot of problems, and let's let's try to fix them. But it is, make no mistake, going to be Hillary Clinton now. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's it is. It's a shame. Could have happened. It didn't. Let's you know, you're not going to convince the superdelegates now. I think that's over. See, because the other thing is, you can't go. Well, we'll get it in four years' time. No, nah, this was it. This was yeah. Bernie's shot. So that's it. You got Elizabeth Warren on the horizon, but that's the thing. He's, I think we've heard it in emails that we get and we get comments and Snapchats and everything. There's a generation of people that are listening to this podcast or have been tuned into Bernie and whatever, where they're, they're telling us like, I didn't even realize this was something that was possible. I didn't, wouldn't even consider that. But like, these are ideas now that are ingrained in a lot, a different generation of people's heads and they're going to get older and they're going to get into politics. Some of them, or they're going to be involved as voters and teachers and whatever it is. And that's where, you know, that's that's how it happens. But it's going to be down the road a little bit. See, because what what doesn't make sense to me is uh, anytime they do the exit polling and they ask you, uh, or do you feel that you're more liberal yeah. now than you were four years ago? And it's high percentage to say they're more liberal. Right. But when you look at the chart, she's to the right. Yeah. Well, yes. So, so do people not understand what it means to be to the left then? Yes. Or? Well, yes. I mean, I think it's a little bit of that. That's the thing. Like, we talk about this shit every week. People that listen to this podcast hear what we're talking about. We're all kind of involved in what's going on, and we've been paying attention from the start. There's so many people that day of go, and they don't know what the hell happened, and they look at the two choices, and they go, well, Hillary's a liberal. Bill was a great president. And that's all they know. And they don't know who the hell Bernie Sanders is, really. They hear some things about them, but then they also hear, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about, and he's, he's a socialist. Hillary's the best. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's that e- For many, many people that vote, it's that easy. And that's why general elections are kind of a mess, too, because there's people that didn't even pay attention to the primary process at all. To the point that we always bring up, the country's a, a right-leaning country. Mm. So Hillary Clinton is the liberal. You know what I mean? For a yeah. lot of people. Bernie's just like this outlandish socialist guy that probably doesn't even register for a lot of them. Hillary seems liberal, especially because the media and the Republicans say that she is. Say that she's liberal. They they smash her as like Obama's the he's practically socialist. Obama's so far from what a socialist is, it's unbelievable. And Hillary's even probably further to the right than Obama is. So but that's the perception, and that's what people get. And you're absolutely right. Yeah, they just don't understand that to them, Hillary Clinton is the liberal. Because the people who voted for Obama was ex- was expecting a left-leaning politician. Yeah, well, Obama ran farther to the left than he governed, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just the trade deals, everything. Everything was always to the right. Yeah, well, even the health care. You know, Obamacare was a Mitt Romney plan. 
You know, that was something that was able to be passed in a democratic state in Massachusetts, but he's a conservative. So that play he didn't start with single payer. He didn't start with Medicare for all. He started with Romney care essentially. And then it got, you got this really like corporate industry written bill. And that's, what's very frustrating, but people don't recognize that. I mean, Hillary, and it's smart because she's running on that. How many times did you hear her? I'm defending the Obama nah, legacy oh, yeah. and I don't want to m- go backwards. I want to make progress on what Obama did, what Obama did. So that's all she has to do. And it worked because people look at Obama as this really liberal uh, Kenyan, you know, that's like, that's the narrative that the right wing has put out there. And that's the, you know, the, the, the person who is a low information voter that we talk about the soundbite at dinner person, they get that two minutes a night. They're not getting any nuance to this shit. And the news, the local news certainly is not doing a good job differentiating any of this stuff. They play the 10 second clip. They, they have to frame their narrative in a, in a three second segment. And that's it. Like that's how this is all possible. And that again, that's all part of the system that Bernie is fighting against, but he gets derided as this like pie in the sky guy that has no idea what's going on. And it's unrealistic and fine. Okay. But reap what you sow and this is this is where we are right now see i'm just worried that like trump and bernie are always talk about high voter turnout yeah but i would be against high voter turnout if they don't understand what they're voting for yeah well that's i mean that's that's part of the system right i mean yeah you'd be better off only having people that know what's going on vote but in saying that, that's never been the case. And you're usually ruled by that. Instead of being afraid of having people that don't know what's going on vote, we should be more concerned about getting to the people that don't know what's going on and explaining to them what is going on. Like that's a failure of the system and that's a failure uh, as a country and a failure of our educational system and, and the whole process. It's not the fault of the dumb person that or forget dumb person, uninformed person, nah. whatever that exercises their right. It's a right. They're entitled to the right. Everybody should be able to vote. I don't know why we take the vote away from prisoners. Like that doesn't make sense to me. You still live here. Like, and then that'll impact whatever. That's a different Mm -hmm. story to get on. But like everybody should be entitled to their vote. If you're a voting age and you register, great. It should be really easy. You go exercise your right. It's not a prerequisite to know what you're talking about. That's never been the case, but we should focus on that as a part of the system. Like I'm talking about some of the issues that Bernie's raised. Why did he lose? Why weren't the independents allowed to vote in New York? Why were people who weren't active voters not allowed to vote? I don't know. Let's look into that. Let's fix that so this doesn't happen again. Let's get people who are uninformed voters informed. Wouldn't that be a better way? Let's have more informed voters voting as opposed to just more voters in general. But here's the other thing. Or less. Like right now, we see that there's certain situations in New York that need to be taken care of. Such as? The, the machines being down, yeah. everybody not being on the books, whatever it may be, the fact that they had a register already. So, like, history repeats itself. Yes. So we should come up with the list of, hey, this is all the shit that went wrong. So in the next four years, when we do this again, we don't make the same goddamn mistake. No, that's exactly what I'm talking about. You're absolutely right. Right. That's the point. That's the only thing you can do about it now. It's not, you can go back and try to sue the DNC or whatever it is to try to get those votes. Those, that if the votes that weren't cast made the difference, like if you added them to Bernie's total and you're just assume, you know, you're assuming that that's, they were all going to vote for Bernie, but you add them to that, that total and he wins fine. Then we have like a more of a legitimate argument, but the, the only thing you can do really is make a list and fix it. That that's it. But a lot of people the day after the election are like, well, okay, 
I'll worry about it four years from now. It's not a thing that's going to be a main focus, and that's that's a problem in and of itself. Don't let that be the case. If you're one of the people that were disenfranchised and you're pissed off about it, start a group and go fix the problems. Absolutely. That's that's your job to do that. Otherwise, you can't complain. And the same thing when people are going to complain when Hillary's the president or whatever, Trump is the president or Cruz, and they complain, well, Congress doesn't do anything. Yeah, because we talked about this when we were picking who should be the president and you didn't acknowledge that this was a problem. You don't seem to understand the problem. And so you just keep repeating the problem. Don't do that. You're absolutely right. And also the other thing too is like when they're talking about the Republican convention coming up and the rules are the rules. Yeah. Why don't people know what the rules are? Did they not take the time to look at them? Are they too complicated? Well, yeah, it's probably, I mean, it's probably a little bit of both of those things. I mean, people, people like citizens. Is voters, it hidden? Yeah, it's probably not. I mean, I'm sure the rules are written somewhere on the, you know, the RNC website. You can get those rules, I'm sure, uh, probably pretty easily. But yeah, people don't have a say in them, so they don't understand. And I don't think people really understand that, like, the convention, the nominating process, it's all just created. It, it changes year to year. The parties decide what it is. Like, going into this election on the Democratic side, the, you know Hillary's running. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who's a huge Hillary supporter and somebody who's, like, a party insider, she's the chairman of the DNC. Mm-hmm. Do you think she customized those rules to benefit Hillary? You're goddamn right she did. If the Democrats want wanted Bernie Sanders to run, they would have written the rules differently and bene- had them benefit Bernie. The Dem- On the Republican side, they had rules. They didn't like that, that Romney became the nominee last time. They wanted somebody more conservative or wh- whatever mm-hmm. it was. So they changed the rules to be winner take all in a lot of states. Well, guess what? That's fucking backfiring now because you got because Trump. Trump. So the more you fuck with, the, you know, you take one out of column A, it affects co- and put it in column B. Now, now, you know what I mean? It's like it, it's a balancing act and they keep trying to. F- the, the real thing is let's just let people vote. Why, what are we even doing with this whole delegate system and all this shit? Vote. Just have people vote. People went out and vote. Count the total. And that's it. And that's who's the nominee. I don't know why, but it's so the parties can maintain control. Again, stop pretending that we live in an actual democracy. We don't live in a democracy. We live in this weird system where political influence and money greatly impacts the outcome. And then that's that's a serious problem, obviously, that we talk about all the time. All right. Meanwhile, over the weekend, 200 Bernie Sanders protesters picketed outside a Clinton fundraiser in San Francisco, hosted by tech entrepreneur and venture capitalist Shervin Pishinar, I believe is how it's pronounced, or Pishinar, and George and Amal Clooney. Tickets, Joey, Mm -hmm. ranged from $33,000 to $350,000. A ticket. Who has that kind of money? The animals that run this, the people that buy the elections, that's who has this type of money. That's what I'm talking about. Now, I was annoyed when I saw this because I was like, fuck George Clooney. It doesn't affect this, this. The outcome of this election barely affects George Clooney. He's a millionaire a million times over. He's a celebrity. He lives in Italy. So what the fuck does he care? What even goes? <laughs> he has enough money. Like we talk about it with the climate change people and all this stuff. Like the people that run Exxon, it doesn't affect them because they can move to the mountains. They can move somewhere where the climate change isn't going to be a big problem for them. It's not going to affect them. Same thing with Clooney. And yeah, I got annoyed with go him. Yeah, he could do whatever the fuck he wants. It doesn't matter. He, he's outside of the system. He's got so much money and influence. Clooney was on Meet the Press this weekend. And I thought that this was going to actually maybe make some kind of difference in the outcome in New York. It probably won't. It didn't, obviously. But um, I just thought this was interesting. So I want to play this clip of Clooney talking about the fundraising that he did for Hillary Clinton. Um, It's just an interesting clip. So let's play that now. Look 
at uh, at uh, how much is being raised. And I think the co-host of the Friday Night Dinner, three hundred fifty-three thousand uh, dollars a couple to be a co-chair. Do you look at it yourself and think that's an obscene amount of money? Yes, I think it's an obscene amount of money. I think that you know we had some protesters last night when we uh, when we pulled up in San Francisco. And they're right to protest. They're absolutely right. It is an obscene amount of money. The Sanders campaign, when they talk about it, is absolutely right. It's ridiculous that we should have this kind of money in politics. I agree completely. So what? Okay, thoughts. So on that? Wh- so why are you doing it then? Why are you right? Why are you doing it then? Uh, first of all, I respect that he came out and said that. That should have been. I think a bigger story that like this guy's raising this obscene amount of money for Hillary and then agrees with Bernie and thinks that his supporters are correct. That, that, that is so symptomatic of what's wrong, right? Like even a guy who disagrees with it is doing it anyway. Why? Why? It just, it's, time? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, cause I guess he thinks Hillary's going to win. So he's like, I might as well make sure that she does win as opposed to Trump. Like, I don't know. But, there you go. And I, I'm actually glad that he came out and said that. I, I kind of at least respect him saying that Bernie is correct. He is correct. And he thinks the amount of money is obscene, yet he still uh, raised it for Hillary. See, because in that case, I, I'm shocked that he would even bother with the Hillary then. Actually, at the end of the day, he should be supporting one of the Republican candidates. Why but, would he be supporting a Republican candidate? For tax breaks or whatever, because he has so much money. You would well, assume. I mean, look, we talk about it all the time. Hillary's not going to hammer him on taxes. I mean, no. that's the thing. Like, Bernie would. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be hurting a little bit more under Bernie, but Hillary's not going to fucking change his tax rate that much. No. Come on. Plus, you think Clooney lives in Italy. You don't think he's got his money somewhere not in America, you know? Like, he's taking advantage of it just because he's a nice guy and you like some of the movies he does. doesn't mean that he doesn't have a team of fucking lawyers and people trying to make sure that his money's protected. Come on. Yeah. So, okay, interesting. Let's let's end with this. Because we're going to stay on. I don't want to pretend like we're not going to do 2016 updates anymore. Yeah, it's disheartening that Bernie's not in it. I, you know, it sucks. But obviously, we're going to stay on top of it because we're getting closer to a general now and we're going to, you know, keep on top of it. But these are the things. This is the, fu- this is the thought that I want to leave you at the end of this 2016 update. Close to half the super PACs, uh, close to half the super PAC money in 2016, 41% of that money was raised by the end, raised by the end of February, came from 50 mega donors and their relatives. So 41% of the money donated to 2,300 super PACs that are in this 2016 election cycle came from 50 mega donors. All right. So almost half of it is from 50 people and their, rel- you know, their relatives. 70% of the money from the top 50 PACs came from 36 Republican supporters. Oh, that's convenient. Adorable. $607 million have been raised so far, and it will likely surpass the $828 million. That was the 2012 total. So we're talking probably a billion dollars in super PAC money, and half of that is coming from 50 people. You tell me if that sounds like democracy or some kind of whatever, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever name you want to put on it. I'll, I'll talk... I can't think of oligarchy, oligarchy, whatever. But you know what I mean? It's like, man, I mean, it just puts it into clear perspective and Hillary's not stopping that from happening. So you're telling me that you have 50 people that have an agenda that get to throw money at a system to make sure what they want happens to happen. Yes. Just 50 people. Yes. Well, you know, it's more than 50 people, but right. But the 40, you know, 40% of the money is being raised by 50 people. So that's an extraordinary amount of money and influence for those 50 people. 
Um, yeah, and the more the money they keep throwing into the system, the more the system starts to work for them because they can buy more politicians and then they just chip away at it every election cycle. And before you know it, you're not really living in a democracy anymore. You're just living in a system that is sort of designed for, you know, the wealthiest amongst us. That's just a reality. Like it's not even to be dramatic. It just is. It's not a, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just, it's the fact. And we could choose to ignore that, which it seems like we're going to choose to ignore that. Um, and then fine, we get what we deserve. But for people that are paying attention, pay attention to it and try to make a difference, make a difference at a certain point though. Same thing with climate change. It's going to be too late. Once this stuff is put so, so into place, trying to undo it all is, you know, not going to happen. It's very, it's extremely unlikely. So that's my piece there, Joey. We're going to get into some other stuff in a minute. You got any final thoughts on this, uh, this depressing 2016 update? It's not over yet. Let's keep the faith. Bunny prevails. <laughs> I love your optimism, Joey. You're a true, uh, I don't know what. I love you, though. No, thank you. Hi, this is Kate and Joe of Invasion of Privacy Podcast. Check out our podcast if you want your tits to be blown off by unicorns and aliens. Oh we talk about sex. We will just change you magically. We also talk about normal things that are funny. Find new and archived episodes of Invasion of Privacy on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. All right, Joe, you ready to get into some other topics that we have to discuss this week? Yes. Uh, March temperature record. There's a bit of a quick climate change thing I want to get into. Remember on MSP 72 when we discussed February breaking global temperature records by a shocking amount? Mm -hmm. Well, good news. March, at it again. March beat February. Oh, yeah. March was 1.07 degrees Celsius hotter than the 20th century global average, whereas February was only 1.04 degrees hotter than the global average. Um, I have a quote here, I believe. No, I don't. So that, that's it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I had an extra little note that I wrote on here. El Nino, which is like the uh, the cold, the warm air uh-huh. front that tip, that happens sometimes, is a factor in this. So it is raising the temperature a little bit more, but it's not the main factor. Like it is definitely climate change that's causing all these temperatures to rise. And uh, just every year, every month rather. And for the year, we've had the hottest months of all time. And April is going to continue the trend, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it likely will. This is the thing, man. Like there is so much evidence... And fact, it's not even just like opinion about this stuff. It's all, a lot of it, most of it is fact. When we talk about corporate money and we talk about climate change happening and there's just too many people that are just willing to plug their ears or they don't have time to pay attention to all of it. And that, that's part of the system too. You don't think the corporate media is part, is implicit in all this stuff. We talk about that too. A lot of distractions out there. Buy, put your head down, go to work, come back, buy, watch TV. Don't think about it. Like, that system is really damaging. And until we actually start to take, you know, make steps to try to change that stuff, it, it's only going to get worse and it all feeds into each other. It's a very, it's a very, it's very tied up. It's not necessarily, again, it's not necessarily a conspiracy that there's this master plan, but it all kind of works in tandem. The main goal being let's make money. Let's not make this a better place to live or a better democracy or whatever. So the interesting thing too, is I thought, over a period of time that the internet would have helped with, it has. with this. It certainly has. It has, but not to the extent of which I wanted. Well, what what, what do you mean? Like, expand on that. Well, what I Like, mean, you think people are being more informed and then yes. they'd be able to make better decisions. Yeah, I think we're seeing that, though. I mean, I, I don't think we fully... Like, we're really... We're 30 years old. The, we're the first generation 
to really have the internet as a you know as children right i mean yeah. I, I guess i got aol like i had the aol discs and shit when i was i don't know tw- 12 something like that 11 12 i guess i'm guessing at this point so i knew what it was like to not have the internet and then i do definitely know what it's like to have the internet so we have some perspective but the, there's still generations of kids that are coming up that have been born into the internet generation they understand how to get information and how to kind of sort through things and get the information that they need we haven't really seen like our generation of people haven't gotten into politics necessarily yet there's not a, a generation of millennials that are going to run for president which will happen like it's coming. It, yeah. it, 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 it will happen. You know, it's just, it just hasn't happened yet. It's only been, a f- you know, 15, 20 years of really the internet being a super powerful thing. But even 10 years, even you could argue that the internet's been the thing. Well, when did Google start? Right? Like when yeah. was Google really a thing that became a, an everyday thing? That's brand new shit. So you got to give they the internet a little time. bit of a break. And yeah. I think, I think with the proliferation of podcasting and like I'm here working here and doing all this stuff and having a podcast because of Joe Rogan's podcast. And that's only been around for six years. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's for real shit. So there's a lot of people that are going to make jumps and, and leaps and bounds and start to understand how the internet works, but it takes a little bit of time. You know, it's, yeah. it's still a very new thing. That's true. Well, see, my problem is sometimes I want things to happen too quick and mm-hmm. not taking the time to realize how long some things are going to take. Yeah, man, progress is a can be a long road. You know what I mean? It's it's a hard earned stuff, and that's what I'm talking about with Bernie. It, it's like that's not the end of the road. It's the end of the road, maybe for his campaign, but it's really just the beginning of that process of trying to convince a whole new generation of kids that like, yeah, socialism is not a dirty word. You you're an American. You deserve. We're we're saying you deserve more stuff, <laughs> yeah. like just a base level of security. That's just how it works. And I think people around the world should have that. And blah blah blah. And that that ideology catches on and then people do more research and then it just becomes part of their everyday life and it becomes integrated and that pushes the country more to the left, but it just takes a little time. It also takes time for generations of people that are on the right to die off. Oh like my some, God. No, for really? real. It, and people on the left, it, it takes a while. Like that's what happens because then that those like ingrained ideologies are not there anymore. Those people, that ideology died. It's off the conveyor belt now. Now it's the next ideology that comes through and so on and so on. But the, the game never ends. And then there's there's reset periods where you, you there, a terrorist attack happens and you sh- shoot hard to the right. Or there's times of, 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 relative peace and prosperity and, and you things shoot, to, shoot the to the left so the pendulum swings and the conveyor belt can rolls on and it is what it is you know it, it keeps going um anyway point being about that story the march temperature very warm and uh we're fucked <laughs> <laughs> great title i'm gonna write that down what what was that one <laughs> we're fucked no i okay Damn it, I'm out of water. Evan, would you do me a favor? Could you fill this polar... I've actually gone through the entire polar cell today. It's a very warm day in New York. Polar cell strawberry, delicious. Would you mind just filling this up with water? Thank you, sweetie. I appreciate it. Um, this is something I want to get into here, Joey. This is actually mm-hmm. like a serious one, and it's just an interesting conversation that we can have. You Are you familiar with who Anders Breivik is? Yes. Okay. Do you want to tell the Samsonites who Anders Breivik is? Yeah, he is a sick psychopath that killed 77 people in July 11th dressed as a cop. Yeah, he dressed up as a cop to infiltrate in Norway. He dressed up as a cop, infiltrated, I believe, like some kind of youth camp or something. Mm -hmm. Like there was kids involved. But anyway, he killed 77 people. He's a mass murderer. It's one of the worst mass murders in uh, Europe and fucking forever. Um, Okay, last month, Anders Breivik took to court 
alleging, quote, inhuman and degrading treatment after five years in solitary confinement in a Norwegian prison. He won the case yesterday. And I want to read the quote uh, from the judge, Judge Helen Andenay's Seculik, I guess. She's the Ostra Oslo District Court judge. Thank you, Evan. I really appreciate it. Uh, the prohibition of inhuman and degrading treatment represents a fundamental value in democratic society. This applies no matter what, also in the treatment of terrorists and killers. Now, this is why I wanted to bring this up. I got a couple other facts here that we'll get into that might sway the argument one way or another. Mm -hmm. But at face value, thoughts on that concept of, look, it doesn't matter if he's the worst piece of garbage on earth, which this guy is not a nice guy. He, to say the least, he's a terrible guy. He's a right wing guy. He killed children. He's, he's not a good person, but what is the point of being equally cruel to somebody? Then you're just kind of saying it's okay to be cruel in society. If you're a really democratic place and you have these laws in place, they apply to everyone. That's what we talk about. It takes emotion out of it. That's why the laws exist. Okay. Go, go ahead. In certain situations... And I know I'm probably going to be in the minority in this conversation, but go yes. ahead. In certain situations, everything must be looked upon on a case-by-case -case system. I disagree with you, but go ahead. Okay. In this case, we have somebody who killed 77 people, dressed as a cop, shot children in the head. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's better than shooting them in the leg. And no, I'm just going to let that one go. Yes. I'm just kidding. I feel horrible that those kids and, got killed. And the fact that he currently had a three-cell complex where he could play no, video games. No, no, you're games. blowing it. No, you're blowing it. I wanted to talk about this first, and then we'll talk about the shit that he has. Okay. I understand what you're saying, that, and I think a lot of people probably feel the same way. That's why we have the death penalty in this country, and a lot of people support it. Um, See, because in this case, I don't find that solitary confinement, in this case, is that much of a punishment considering on what he did. Yeah. Well, okay, look. Psych he's already somebody that, let's say, is unstable, right? He's somebody that's not making good decisions. If he's going out and killing someone, he's probably a little bit off his rocker, and, you know, he he's creating a problem. Solitary confinement is only going to exacerbate that problem. Also, it's defining the role of what prison should be. If you think prison should be a place where it's okay to put people in and torture them and treat them like shit, and it's a punishment as opposed to just where you have to go because you committed a crime, then then fine. But I think prison should be re rehabilitative because most people that get into jail or a prison situation get out and then go back in and get out and go back in. We should be trying to train them for a situation where if they get out, they can stay out. This guy is not going to get out. He's got a maximum sentence of 21 years because it's just how Norwegian system works but if he's still deemed a danger after that 21 years they can just keep him in jail forever which is what the case is going to be obviously he's not going to be mm -hmm. releasable but try try to rehabilitate him right no why because he's never going to be he's never going to be able to have a normal life so you might as well just kill him then then what are, you, what are you even wasting time having him in jail? You should just shoot him right in the head. Take him out of the alley and fucking shoot him in the head. Then why are we even bothering to have these types of prison setups? Right? Well, then, then I understand the argument for... And then obviously we're talking about America and Norway, Norway, but okay. You're telling me that in this case, I could go out, kill 77 people, and for the rest of my life, I can play video games. Well, look, the, 
all right, let's get into that because you keep bringing it up. He is allowed visits from fr- family and friends. No one comes to visit him anymore. His mom visited him a couple times, but she died, so she doesn't come anymore. He is allowed to play video games. He can watch TV, exercise, read books and newspapers, and he has a typewriter. He lives in a three-cell complex, the room where he sleeps, like his bedroom, an exercise like area, I guess, that has equipment in it, and then sort of like a study like reading room that he can have. Do I think that that's excessive? Probably, yes. Okay, I'm not saying that he needs to have a three-room complex, of course. But I do recognize that solitary confinement is not helpful. It's not necessarily something that people need to go to go through. And it probably should just be something that's banned. And if we're going to ban it, it includes pieces of garbage like Andres Breivik. But there's people that have been in Rikers Island in New York, uncharged, that are in solitary confinement for years, and their kids, like uh, Khalif Browder, uh, that's saying it, Khalif Browder, Browder. Yeah. He was in solitary confinement for years as like an 18 year old wasn't charged or anything. And then guess what? He came out of jail and he killed himself. This is a kid that, that, you know, so if we're going to ban it in one place and we're going to like be human beings and try to treat people humanely and there's laws about it, then yeah, it's got to apply to everyone. And like you're talking about with the case to case basis thing, mm-hmm. I hear you, but that disregards the idea of laws. Then, then essentially you could defend the Bush administration and be like, yeah, we have laws where we can't waterboard people, but Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, I mean, come on. That, that, that prevents that from happening, and that's why we have laws to begin with. Laws are written not in a state of emotion or frenzy or anything like that. They're written in logic and no emotion and calm. That's, that's the whole point of having laws to begin with. That's why we have them. So that way when something does happen where you're like, this fucking animal killed children and he's this, that... Yeah, but okay, but we have the system in place. You don't have to rewrite the system. Be mad, but this is the system. Because if you're just going to get a guy and there's no law in place and there's nothing you know, to be done about it, there, you, you think that he's going to get that type of treatment immediately after that type of thing, but that, those are the laws that we've established as a country as in Norway, and we have certain laws in the United States. But I think it's interesting because th- this is the shit. This is where it puts things to the test. Like... It's one thing to say we, we treat everybody equally and everybody has a right. And then after 9-11, Muslims are treated like, you know, they don't belong here at all. And they're, you know, they're surveilled and all, all the shit. The test is at adversity. Like when you're at, you face a bad situation, how strong is our resolve to actually be human and be a democratic country? And, and I respect Norway. Maybe they take it a little too far. Maybe this guy doesn't need a fucking condo in Oslo. Okay, fair enough. But... You know, I, I respect them being able to uphold their laws even in the face of a terrible evil like the Saunders Breivik guy. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I just don't agree with That's it. fine. You don't have to agree with me, but I, I just wanted to bring that up because it's an interesting conversation. I'd like to hear from the Samsonites on that, you know, email or, or leave me a comment or whatever. We could talk about it next week if you send something good. Um you know, it's an Evan, you got any thoughts on that? Were you paying attention for that part of the conversation? Oh still- yeah. Um I thought Joey brought up a good point about whether, you know, you want the guy just enjoying his time in prison. I think a large part of our society is based on, like, the idea of retribution and stuff like that. So some people find it cathartic if the other person's feeling pain, but I'm not sure if that, at that point, does any benefit. Right. Sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up again, too. Right. The idea of, you know, he's enjoying his time. Part of it, I think you have to look at from the other side. Are you making it much more difficult for the prison guards? If you have a guy who is unstable to begin with, he's this right-wing weirdo that's like Nazi, he's hailing Hitler mm-hmm. in the courtroom and all the shit. Does that, like, the, you're going to have a hard time dealing with that person to begin with, let alone if you have him now in a solitary confinement where he doesn't see anybody 23 hours a day, he he's going 
actually going insane because that's what happens when you're in solitary confinement. Like at a certain point, you're just making it easier on the, the guards. If this guy can like watch TV and fucking relax a little bit in jail, then maybe he's not going to be as much of a problem. So I understand it from that perspective. Again, I picked this, this story because he is a repugnant person. If you take him out of the equation and it was somebody who, let's say this somebody who got laid off, doesn't have, can't get a new, another job for whatever reason. He's too old. They're not going to hire him. He's got a family to support and he goes out and he robs a bank. Doesn't hurt anybody, but he tries to rob a bank to pay for his family. Same situation. He's going to jail for 21 years. Should he be in solitary confinement like that? No. Right. And you wouldn't really have a problem. You'd be like, well, I'll let him watch TV. So that's what I'm saying. So you can't just, you can't have a two tiered system. You either have laws or you don't. And I totally get it. It sounds terrible. Like you wouldn't want this guy, but it is what it is. And that's their system. And I respect that. And a lot, in a lot of cases in these Scandinavian countries, people, the recidivism rate is way lower, way lower. And they let pe- they treat people way more like people. And they try to rehabilitate them and they give them a chance to actually do something with their lives as opposed to just locking them up in a closet and throwing away the key like we do in a lot of places in here. So that, that's all. I mean, it's a good conversation. Go ahead, John. It's just a difficult story. That's it. Yeah, it is. A, well, that's why I wanted to bring it up. I mean, it's a challenging thing to talk about. And I figured it'd be fun to get into it a little bit. Um, also, it's like the type of shit where it's like prisoners are in jail and we know that there's like a, a problem let's, you know, with prison rapes and things like that. We're, people assault each other. Why aren't you allowing the prisoners to have pornography or something? Like, it seems like we're doing a disservice to ourselves just to get the satisfaction of being like, they're prisoners, fuck them. Like that idiot Joe Arpaio in Arizona where he makes them wear pink underwear and he's like an animal and he makes them do labor and like, fine. But you're, you're doing yourself, you're making it harder on yourself and society in general. Why not let them blow off some steam or have an outlet? So that way the violence of the place it's not like this fucking, you know, lion's den that you're walking into. It actually just like lets them blow off some steam and it, is, it doesn't become this thing where tensions boil over. Right? I mean, I don't know. I think it comes down to why you're even in the prison to begin with. Yeah. So maybe there should be, I don't know, a prison system, two, three different types of prisons. Yeah, well, maybe. of course, people that commit violent crime or you think they're going to be a danger, yeah, then you got to take a few more precautions. But as far as not allowing them certain things like a window... I don't know. I feel like that's, I think we're being too extreme then. You know what I mean? I, I just do. And it is, it's unfortunate, but that's how I feel about it. I guess I don't run a jail, so I don't know. And, uh, you know, whatever. Any final thoughts on that? On the next one. All right. Uh, U.S. corporate tax. We only have a couple more things I want to get into, but U.S. corporate tax havens. This one pisses me off. And again, vote, you know, vote for Bernie, but mm-hmm. so it's too late. According to an Oxfam report, U.S. corporate giants have $1.4 trillion stashed in tax, ha- tax havens offshore. Mm. $1.4 trillion is more than the total economic output of Russia, South Korea, and Spain combined. Wow. Okay. Oxfam is an anti-poverty charity, incidentally, for people that don't know that. I wrote down a couple of facts here. Uh, the top 50 corporations paid $1 trillion in taxes from 2008 to 2014. The top 50 spent $2.6 billion lobbying between 2008 and 2014 
Apple has $181 billion offshore. GE has $119 billion. Microsoft, $108 billion. Pfizer, $74 billion. IBM, $61 billion. That's the top five. Exxon, $51 billion. Google, $47 billion. Walmart, $23 billion. They're stashing this money offshore, and it's costing us, the citizens, the taxpayers, hundreds of billions of dollars a year. Unbelievable. <laughs> Is it? But it all it all factors in. It's all part of the system. Oxfam report, according to the Oxfam report, this is this is what is really puts it into perspective. For every one dollar, for every one dollar spent on lobbying, these fifty companies collectively received $130 in tax breaks and more than four thousand dollars in federal loans, loan guarantees, and bailouts. When the federal government is giving out loans and bailouts, who's paying for that? The taxpayer. Correct. So when Apple or when McDonald's or any of these big corporations refuse to raise the salary of their employees, they're essentially doubly fucking them because those employees are still paying taxes and those taxes are going right back to benefit those companies in loans, bailouts, and, and tax breaks. That's a great way to scam the system. Absolutely, because the system is built for them. And they've written the laws and they work. They, they spend billions of dollars a year fixing the system to work more in their favor. That's what it is. For every $1 spent on lobbying, they spent $2.6 billion between 2008 and 2014. So for every $1, they get $130 in tax breaks and $4,000 in federal loans. So th- just think about that. Think about the amount of money that they're... Because they're u- then they use that money that they got in the tax breaks yeah, it's a to, cycle. to funnel back into the system and lobby more. <laughs> Quite a scam. Yeah. Robbie Silverman, who's the Oxfam senior tax advisor, he says, yet again, we have evidence of a massive systemic abuse of the global tax system. We can't go on with the situation where the rich and powerful are not paying their fair share of tax, leaving the rest of us to foot the bill. Governments across the globe must come together now to end the earth. Yeah. Do you think that's going to happen, Jay? No. Do you think, do you believe, honestly, I mean, I know it's like easy to just be like, nope. Do you believe that Hillary Clinton is going to make this stop? No. 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 And Republicans have stated that they don't want this to stop. You know what I mean? They're all for free market and we can't tax corporate. What are we doing? We're hurting the corporations. Yeah. The corporations are fucking fine. But to say it's not every corporation now, that's something that we have. It's not every, but it's, it's all of the big American corporations. I mean, I have this table here. If you guys are watching on youtube.com slash mandatory Samson, I'll have the full episode video up. This is just the top 50, but there's a list on this site. If you go to Oxfam, you can go check it out. Uh, oh, this isn't the right link I got. Oh, here we go. They, they have a list of all the corporations and how much money they are hiding offshore. It's unbelievable, Joey. I mean, well, whatever. I can't find the link right now. But anyway, go, go look for it. It's the Oxfam report on corporate tax havens. You can go see the list. It's all of the corporations. I mean, the list of ones that aren't hiding money offshore, minimal. I mm-hmm. mean, how many is it? Six? Like, who could it be? I just named Walmart, Exxon, Google, Pfizer, Apple, Microsoft. You know, yeah, you named GE, everybody. They're, they're all of them. You know, I left off Merck, like different. They're all on there. Believe me. Go go look at the list. All right. I wanted to put that out there because there's something that we always stay on and we're going to keep staying on it. Now, I wanted to get to this uh story because it's something we covered a while ago on the show and this is sort of a, a resolution to the whole thing peter ling i'm pronouncing it, it's l-i-a-n-g or peter ling um who's a former nypd officer he accidentally 
in my opinion, I believe, killed Akai Gurley, the 28-year-old uh, from Brooklyn, in his building. We covered this, incidentally, at MSP 07, which was our Thanksgiving episode, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Um, you guys go back and listen to that. It's like 30 minutes in we are talking about it. And uh, you can hear what we talked about and how we talked about it at first. On Tuesday, former NYPD officer Peter Lang was sentenced to five years probation and 800 hours community service two months after being found guilty of manslaughter. He faced a potential 15 years max sentence in jail. Um, okay. The incident occurred November 20th, 2014 during a vertical patrol in Brooklyn, uh, in a public housing place in Brooklyn when he killed 28 year old, Akai Gurley. Now what we talked about on MSP 07 is about the vertical patrols. They send these two cops in, um, Peter Lang is, and this happens all the time, but in this particular incident, they sent Peter Lang in. He, he was only on the force for 11 months or something. He claims that he had done like a thousand, almost a thousand of these vertical patrols. This particular one that he goes on, he's got his gun drawn because he's spooked or whatever to be in this building. And they go door to door. They walk through the building and they see if there's crime going on. They send them to these high crime areas, which like we talked about on MSP 07, I think is a horrific violation of the, the rights to privacy and whatever of, of, poor people essentially you're criminalizing being poor mm-hmm. right uh but they go into these buildings to look for crime and he has his gun drawn which i can't imagine his protocol but it doesn't matter now he's not going to jail over it it was an accident he had his gun drawn and he heard a door open or something he got scared and he finger slipped he shot a bullet it ricocheted off and it killed a guy girly a 28-year-old who did nothing wrong, Bill Bratton at the time, the police commissioner, said that it was an absolute innocent man. It was a tragedy, mm-hmm. but he was totally innocent. And at the time, I said, I thought that Peter, the, you know, the cop that killed him, Peter Lang, did accidentally kill him. I don't think that it was a malicious thing. I don't think he intended to do it. But thoughts, Joey, should he have faced jail time over this? No. Why? Well, from what I understand, he was on the eighth floor coming down to the seventh floor. Yeah. Shot the bullet. And apparently the bullet bounced to what? Two floors and, yeah. and got him. Yeah. Ricochet. So that's a lot of ricocheting. Yeah. B- yes. Still, he killed the guy. You know, I'm sort of inclined and it's, it's annoying because we've talked about a lot of these police killings, police brutality. And you don't see justice done. You don't see people going to jail when it's very clear that they should be going to jail and and they they did something maliciously and incorrectly. What this guy's guilty of, I think, is being negligent, right? He has the gun out. And at the very least, I think he probably should have faced a little bit of jail time. I don't think that he meant to do it. I think they're both in a weird way, and I, you know, I don't want it to necessarily sound like I'm defending the cop, but I think they're both sort of victims of circumstance. Akai Gurley happens to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, mm-hmm. obviously, even though he lives there, but you know what I mean? Like being in the stairwell at that point. And this guy, Peter Lang, is in what you know is a bad neighborhood. That's why they're there doing the vertical patrol. I'm not saying that it's right that they're there, but that is why they're there. And he's probably fucking tense as all hell when he's hanging out in a place. Like oh, that. absolutely. Because he's a cop. Obviously people are not going to be, they're going to be resentful of the fact that he's there rightly. So, and he is worried because they sent him there because it's like a lot of crime, a lot of guns, a lot of killing, a lot of drugs there. Like that's why he's there to begin with. So I think it's unfair to both of them, but I do think that Peter Ling, you know, honestly made a mistake, but he, he should, should face jail time. I mean, man, if you did that, you'd be in jail. Not if I was a cop. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, like, if you accidentally, ki- if I accidentally killed you, mm-hmm. I'm going to jail. Yeah. They're not going to be like, well, he didn't mean to. But I think that's that's the problem. And that's, you know. I feel that this is just one of the stories that you can't find justice. Yeah, elaborate. Okay. So he discharged the gun, a bullet ricocheted. How long should the sentence be? Six months, a year, two years? Right. Solitary confinement. Should he be able to work out? Should he have video games? That's the thing. This is what I'm talking about. It's like, it's the, and I wanted to bring these intentionally. Like, I wanted to have more of these kind of broad conversations because there maybe isn't a right answer. I mean, here's the thing he's convicted of manslaughter. Mm-hmm. There's a punishment attached to that. You know, I, don't see, I don't think he needs to go to jail for 15 years, but something, you know, yeah. like, because then what justice is being done? He's, gonna, he's just going to be on probation? No, he's on probation for five years, and he has to do 8,800 8, hours yeah. of community service. So he's given back to the community. Like, how would you want him to pay his debt to society? It was an accident. Yeah, I don't know. I know. That's the thing. You're right. I mean, but that's why I wanted to talk about it. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not even so set on the fact that he definitely needed to go to jail. It's The problem is you see it so many times when people clearly do need to go to jail. Jesus, excuse me, we had pizza and I'm drinking all this water and shit. Uh, you, you see all these situations where people don't go to jail and it's blatant and they should. And now you get a case here with this kid like, see, but th- this is the thing though, Joe. It's like, he's a cop. He took on the responsibility of being a cop. He has training. Why is he walking around with a gun? He said he did a thousand of these vertical patrols. Come on. At what point can we say like, yeah, it was an accident, but you still fucked up on the job. You fucked up. You have to be, it's, it is unfortunate because I don't think you did it on purpose, but you made a mistake. You're a cop. You're held to a higher standard. You got to go to jail. Yeah, but also you have to keep in mind that he wasn't even trained in the true CPR way of saving somebody's life. So he wasn't even able to administer CPR to Gurley at all. Yeah, well, that's after the fact stuff, and right, but that's a failing of his training, absolutely. I mean, right, he couldn't do anything to say, although I don't think, as I understand it, he wasn't going to be able to do anything, really. But, right, I mean, but that's but that's a training issue. He was trained to shoot a gun, I guarantee you that. You know what I mean? And I'm sure he was trained to go on these vertical patrols. If he's been on a thousand of them, that was the thing. I noticed that, early, like, when I was writing the story down, I mm-hmm. noticed, oh, a thousand vertical patrols, though, and he still freaked out? Like... Come on, man. Maybe he just wasn't cut out to be a cop. And maybe that's another argument that should be made. I don't know. Or maybe I, he was jittery and he had one too many cups of coffee. There's Yeah, well, not an excuse. I That wouldn't be an excuse for me. It was like, sorry, officer, I drank a bunch of Red Bulls. So I didn't mean to shoot my neighbor. Like, well, tough shit. You're going to jail. He's held to a higher standard. He's a cop. I don't think he should be let off the hook. I don't think he needs to go to jail for 15 years, but certainly some jail time, I think. It sends the wrong message to just be like, well, you killed another black kid. Oh, well. You didn't mean to, so just go ahead, go home. So, as judge, what would your sentence be? I don't know. It's it's all it's all you know. It's all no, kind no, no, of no. You're just, you, it's all nebulous. Now you got you got to say something. Yeah, I to would find say justice. a year in jail. A year in jail. You know, he's got to go to jail. That's people are going to say it's not long enough. Fine, but I honestly believe in this case he didn't. You know, it was an accident, but he still fucking killed somebody. He took their life. Year in jail. Then some kind of probationary period. A year in jail, five years probation, and 800 hours community service. You know what I mean? Like, okay. Come on. Why, why should he be let out? Nobody else would be in that case. That's it? We're just letting it hang? I. 
it's it shit happens right and he's not going to jail <laughs> shit happens you're gonna ke- i think you're gonna catch some shit in the comments this week let joey know what you think he'll, he'll answer you um all right let's wrap up we got two quick stories let's just wrap up with this i brought this one for you joey mm-hmm. kurt schilling a former uh boston red sox pitcher won the world series with them the famous bloody sock yeah, bloody sock you, you loved kurt schilling yeah i did in fact you do you when we play mlb uh what, what what's the game called Oh, it was, uh, no, 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 it was before that. It, it was MVP. Oh, yeah, MVP baseball, which would, by our account. By is, EA Sports, by the way, until they lost the contract with that. Yeah, which was the best baseball video game of all time. It was very fun. We used to play. Joey would always play as Kurt Schilling, is my point. Yeah. He'd win a lot of games against me. It's immaterial. Um, <laughs> Kurt Schilling this week was fired by ESPN yesterday after making Facebook remarks about transgender people. Now, the reason why this comes from is stemming from the North Carolina LBGT discrimination bill, House Bill 2, where it's saying, you know, if you're a transgender man, you still have to go into the woman's bathroom or whatever. You know, like, mm-hmm. you have to go to the bathroom assigned to you by your birth gender, not what you're associating with now. All right. We'll get into that in a second. Now, this is what Kurt Schilling had to say and what he posted on Facebook. Um, He shared a post by this person, Autumn Williams II, and it's like a very... Egregious isn't the word, but it's like a very exaggerated image of what a transgender person would be. It's like this... It looks like Danny DeVito wearing a blonde wig with like holes cut out where the tits would be and like it's just like a disheveled person it's like it's like a very ridiculous image of what a transgender person is and it says let him in to the restroom with your daughter or else you're a narrow-minded judgmental unloving racist bigot who needs to die and this is what kurt schilling shared he didn't write that one he shared that then he caught some shit about it and then he wrote after it a man is a man no matter what they call themselves i don't care what they are who they sleep with men's room was designed for the penis women's not so much now you need laws telling us differently pathetic so he got fired from espn for that espn said espn is an inclusive company kurt schilling has been advised that his conduct was unacceptable and his employment with espn has been terminated joey go well that wasn't even the first thing you he also posted something about the uh the muslims and everything a a month ago yeah, he's, he gets in trouble all the time because he's stupid and he's always posting this stuff. My question to you is, let me say this before we even get into the whole thing. Well, why is he even doing it? He played baseball, now you're an analyst. Because he's a dum-dum. Just keep your mouth shut. Well, look at, well, no. Uh, okay, no, I don't, I disagree. I he disagree. shouldn't even have a Facebook. <laughs> all right. Uh, I disagree. Look, you're a citizen, right? You have freedom of speech. You can put your opinion out there. That doesn't bother me. And I will say this. It doesn't even really bother me that Kurt Schilling is an asshole who doesn't like transgender people and doesn't understand what's going on. That's just his opinion. He has no control over laws or anything like that. He didn't write the law. Um, I'll say this. I've never really liked Kurt Schilling because I'm a Yankees fan. I grew up a Yankees fan. He's an asshole. I don't like when he beat the Yankees. And I think he's just a douche to begin with. Right. He's come out with a lot of stuff and I disagree with a lot of what he's saying. I also think the transgender people, I get it. If you are in a man's body and you have the brain of a woman and you feel like a woman and you're a woman, fine. Then transition. It doesn't bother me. Use whatever bathroom you want, sweetheart. It does not upset me at all. It's your thing. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I can use my bathroom. It's fine. 
Okay, so that's how I'm starting this conversation. Mm-hmm. That being said, I don't necessarily think Kurt Schilling should be fired from ESPN for saying what he said. Uh, he should absolutely be Why? fired because he is a representative of ESPN no, by not. default. No, he's not. He didn't say it on ESPN. He said it on his personal Facebook page. It's the same thing when teachers get in trouble for stuff that they post on their Facebook. If it's not affecting your job performance, I don't see why it's a problem. Because you that's be not how s- it works. Well, that's unfortunate, but that's a, that's a very corporate mindset as well. Like, Welcome to corporate America. Absolutely. And, and that only strengthens the argument for people like Donald Trump and people on the right are like, our culture's too PC. It is to a certain extent. He's right. Like, ultra liberals and like the backlash that Kurt Schilling would get. It's, it is annoying that Kurt Schilling is an idiot and is an uninvolved, uninvolved person and doesn't understand what the transgender community goes through and what it's about. That's unfortunate, but Kurt Schilling has no say whether transgender people get to use the bathroom or not. If it's a voting issue, then he does, but he didn't get to vote on any of this shit. It's just his uninformed, uneducated opinion. And I really strongly disagree that people should be able to be fired for words that they use. It's not, it's not really hurting anybody. It might hurt your feelings if you're transgender, and, and I feel bad about that too. And I don't want to defend Kurt Schilling. He's an asshole. But I don't think he should lose his job over it necessarily. I mean, ESPN can do what they want, but I'm just saying, like, what is, so what? So he's an idiot. You have a different opinion, so? See, I don't even know why he took the time to even post it. Because it upsets him. Because he's stupid. He's a macho idiot. And he is worried somehow that if they allow a trans... If they allow Caitlyn Jenner to use the women's bathroom, he's worried that Caitlyn Jenner is going to rape his daughter. Because he's stupid. That's his, that's his viewpoint. He's dumb. It's the same when people are like, gay, oh, we're going to let gays get married? They're, now, they're, now we're just going to let bears get married to people. It's like, no, that's not... What are you... T- like, it has nothing to do with you. They just don't understand it. But so what? He's just stupid. Kurt Schilling could lose his job because he is a brand... That works for ESPN, who has certain standards. No, he's, not, he's a human being that no, works he's for a ESPN. Brand. He's on Facebook. And Anyone on Facebook, I believe, indirectly becomes a brand. No, I disagree with you. That might be how people are looking at it, and it certainly is how the advertising industry works on it. When people talk, oh, my brand, it doesn't fit my mm-hmm. Shut up. Schilling, though, the reason – here's the other thing. The reason why Kurt Schilling is there – is because they know he's a little bit of a loose cannon and they're waiting for him to say something a little controversial, just not so controversial that they have to fire. It's just because you just said he said the thing about Muslims. Why wasn't he fired over that? Look, why that affects way more people. There's way more Muslims in the world than there are transgender people. So you're telling me that uh, you, answer my question. <sighs> why wasn't he fired over the Muslim thing? Because a good enough percentage of people agree with him on that. So you're telling me that ESPN purposely hired him what I would like to call the jo- uh, who was it? Uh, the the one who played the other pitcher from Boston who said the thing about the comments on the subways and all that. John Rocker. Oh, John Rocker. Yeah. So they were hope- too far, <laughs> too too far. So they were ho- help- hoping for a John Rocker like candidate. Of course, they do it with everybody. Bark Charles Barkley. Why do you think Charles Barkley's there? Like he's an entertaining guy, but they're waiting for Charles Barkley to say something. Be like, oh, it's Charles, me and Charles. You know. Well, I'm assuming or that whatever. They have in him football, there. they brought in fucking uh, Rush Limbaugh on, on NFL. Mm-hmm. And they brought in Dennis Lear, like uh, not Dennis Lear, Dennis Miller. They're they're always bringing on someone to be like, oh, this this guy stirring the pot. See, because in my opinion, ESPN brought Kachelang on because he is a was an exceptional baseball player 
who has a great understanding of the game. Bring Mike Mussina on. Have Al Leiter come on and do commentary. It's not just about that, and you know it. It's the same thing as, like, uh, why does Chael Sonnen in the UFC, like, why did they bring him on to do commentary, too? Because he might say something that's, you know, a little interesting, Edgy. right? Th- but but just enough that if he goes too far, they go, oh, well, we don't know. Unacceptable. But but up until this, they let it all fly with Kurt Schilling. It's fine. That's why he's there. So you can't get mad at the scorpion for biting this, the frog. You know what I mean? It's like, I am the scorpion. So don't be surprised. Frog. That's why I'm a scorpion. What did you expect? Same thing. I disagree with him. Of course I disagree with him. It's a dumb position to take. But uh, every week with this yeah, alarm. I'm sorry. Play it. Let people hear it. Oh, uh, it's too, I, I can't. Sorry. Anyway, all right. But anyway, and again, look, do I really care that Kurt Schilling got fired? No, but we're setting a precedent and we're allowing this like corporate mindset of like, you have to say only the thing that the most people agree with. That's sort of the position that you're putting it, putting it in. And then you see that trickle down even to politics. You're seeing it with Bernie. It's like, all right, Bernie, like you ran your race, but now you got to unite and support Hillary. No, I don't. Susan Sarandon caught a lot of shit recently because she was interviewed and she was on Bill Maher and she was like, or she was on um, Chris Hayes or whatever. Mm -hmm. She was interviewed and she said like, no, I'm not necessarily going to support Hillary. Why would I? She's like, there's the same reason that people are supporting Trump. Like they're anti-establishment. They're not for what is going on. They see something wrong with the system. People jumped on her and were like, how dare she say she's going to support Trump? That's not what she said. But what she said was, something that the majority of people in the party didn't like. So they got mad at Susan Sarandon. Now she's a pariah. We're in a situation in this country and it's an, uh, it's a bad situation where you can't ever go against the majority. That's da- that's dangerous shit too. And of course I don't want to defend like repugnant thinking and like bigoted thinking, but it exists. And the people on the left, the PC people are the ones that are supposed to be free speech people and tolerant of other people. But it seems like they're doing the same shit, shutting down speech, just shutting down speech they don't agree with the same way people on the right do. So here's my question. That's a dangerous thing. You understand what I'm saying with that? Yeah, but the whole thing is dangerous because you are on purpose going out to have somebody possibly say something controversial, Mm -hmm. and then you get to decide if that was controversial enough. Right. Oh, you know what? That comment's okay because it didn't hurt the majority. Is it going to cost us money? See, because the LGP, LGBT bill that they well, passed in North Carolina, a lot of people aren't doing concerts. They're, they're, they're pulling businesses out of there. So it's hurting the bottom line. Mm-hmm. So ESPN is very sensitive to that fact. So they know, ah, oh, fuck, Schilling said something about trends. They don't give a shit. They don't care that he actually posted that. It's about, ah, oh, fuck, this is a hot button right now, and I think it's going to affect our bottom line. we got to get rid of him. When he says the shit about Muslim people, I don't know what he said. Do you have that quote written down? I, I have to look for it. All right, well, don't worry about it, but I assume it's whatever about terrorism or something, right? God, why don't you get it real quick? All right, I, I try to find it. Evan, you got any thoughts on the, this whole thing? And if care to weigh in? Because uh, you're younger than us, so maybe yeah, your generation I, feels a little more sensitive. I'm not saying you guys are going against Get closer chair, to the mic there. Yeah, I feel like I'm siding with Joey. I feel like he's uh, kind of baiting them into firing him. And yes, like he potentially should have been fired for the Muslim comment, but I feel like it's like a cumulative thing. Okay. All right. And, All, right. So, All right. Let's hear what the quote oh, is. Go, okay. Joey. So it's a meme. Of our boy Adolf Hitler. Well, here, okay, no, 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 okay, all right, that's fine. Here's the other thing. Yes. Stop trying to express yourself through fucking memes, you small-minded retard. Oh, oops, I said retard. I apologize to anyone who oh, maybe God. mentally challenges us. Right We're going to get you know all I mean? the letters. Like, Evan, you have any idea how many letters we're going to get because of that? <laughs> uh, a lot. Evan's going to be answering maybe. them. The, 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 here, 
but you understand it's like stop talking through memes kurt schilling if you have an opinion say what your opinion is don't you know like you're relying on other people's created memes, so you're taking the dumb ideas of even dumber people than you <clears throat> and then just sharing them as though they're your opinion Hi, Chris. We're going to make this thing called Facebook, and Facebook is going to be part of the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. And as long as you don't offend too many people, you can post whatever you want. Yeah, except a nipple. Good. Tell me what Kurt Schilling, what this post was. <laughs> All right. So what the post is, our boy Adolf Hitler with his hand out. Yeah. It's said that only 5 to 10% of Muslims are extremists. Yeah. In 1940, only 7% of Germans were Nazis. How did that go? Oh, okay. Right, so he's implying that, okay, yeah, it's only 10% of Muslims now, but you wait. They're coming. Yeah, but you know why he didn't get fired for that? Because a big enough majority of people in America are like, goddamn right! That's why. Because it's okay to say that. That's all. And it's not going to cost them money, because how much buying power does... You know what I mean? It's like, it's all it's all weighted. But don't pretend like the corporations give a shit. That's, that's also pisses me off. Like, there's some moral bodies. They don't give a fuck. If they knew that they were going to get more people... To tune into ESPN because he said that, that he'd be fine. He'd get promoted. It's just because they knew it was going to be a backlash and people might not buy their products and blah blah blah. Then that's why. I'm sorry. They to don't care. Say, but I think they would get more traffic by Coachelling being an indignant asshole than not having him at all. Forget traffic. It's sales. It's ads. Are the advertisers willing to deal with the backlash? No. Well, see, the way I would look at it is more people are going to wait around to see what's the next thing he's going to do, which would help the sales more than just booting him out of the position. Depends. It depends on what it is. Like with the Muslim thing, it didn't. That that was enough where they were like, all right, we can just see what happens here. With this thing, apparently they think it's it's too much, and so it was too bad what he said, and so they got rid of him. That's all. So the only way we can solve this the issue... cost-benefit analysis. I want to apologize for saying retard. I'm sorry. I really don't say retard like that. It just came out. The only way we can fix it is if we get an offensive meter and everyone is in agreement with the different uh, categories on this offensive meter. Here's my offensive meter. Uh -huh. um, say whatever you want. Just don't physically injure anyone. Like, as long as it doesn't hurt somebody physically, just say whatever you want, if it's your opinion. It's fine. If he said it on the air at ESPN, like if he was on like a White Sox broadcast and then was like, by the way, fucking these transgenders, like, they, they, you know, if you got a dick, you got a dick. That's it. Like, okay, yeah, then fire him. That's fine. He was on TV. But it's his personal page. If he wants to share it, that is what it is. Like, what, what do you want him to do? He's got to, because Kurt Schilling works for ESPN, when he goes home, he has to pretend to be ESPN Kurt Schilling and not regular Kurt Schilling. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah, but I don't like that. I don't like that, like, corporate identity type of shit where you can't even be yourself when you go home. Fuck you. I work when I work. You pay me to do that. I do the job well. As long as I'm doing that, my private time is my private time. That That's really how I feel about it. Paul Kurt Schilling. He's out fine. of a job. He'll be fine. I mean, although, isn't he like broke now, though, because he poured all his money into like a video game? He's stupid. That's the other thing. He's stupid. <laughs> what, what do you expect Kurt Schilling to have to say? He's dumb. And also, you don't think that that person, that, that, that like exaggerated image of what a transgender person is, she can't or he can't just go into the girl's room and fuck with your daughter? He needs a bill to be bad? Like, that's the illogic of it. It's like, it's just a door. <laughs> just because there's a fucking male uh, stick figure on it or a female stick figure on it, you can go into either one. The door doesn't just zap you if you're a dude. Yeah, but it's against the law. I think you can go to jail for that one. Yeah, but you're going to go to jail if you do something illegal to the kid anyway, whether that's the right bathroom for you or not. Well, you know what I mean? Like that's, 
It's a horrible mindset to think that the, an individual was going to do anything harmful anyway. Of course. That's my point. It's a prejudiced mindset. I'm not agreeing with the guy, but he's just an asshole. So let him be an asshole. So what? Let him go comment on the Red Sox game. It doesn't matter. The two can be mutually exclusive. It doesn't matter. Not in the corporate world. Not in the corporate world, Joey. And also, forget the corporate world. I mean, that's where it starts, but then it's being carried over into like very left-wing cir- circles, like the, the very PC culture. We're around comics all the time here. It's like a lot of them have liberal points of view, but they're also very free, free speech, and they want to be able to express themselves in whatever way possible. And there's people on the left that are very you know, we'll go after people word policing and, oh, you use the wrong gender pronoun. It's like, all right, come on, man. It's about what you're actually doing as a society to help combat this stuff. Yes, the words, sure, can be harmful too, but they're way less harmful than like people being lynched or dragged behind a pickup truck, right? It's like, I'd rather I'd rather have Kurt Schilling post a fucking meme on Facebook than him go out and beat to death a, a transgender person, right? There, there's there's shades of bad. That I we think you're going ex- focus on. extreme on this one. No, I'm not. That's the argument. We're word policing. It'd be it'd be great if you could get everybody to be on the same progressive page. They're not. And we also have things called freedom of speech in this country. And whether you l- agree with what the person's saying or not, they have the ability to say it as long as it's not inciting a riot or something. They're allowed to say it. You have to defend, that's sort of the theme of this episode, you have to defend the rights of people that you don't want to defend. Because if they have the right, you do too. And if they don't, you don't. That's how the goddamn system works. That's the whole point of the thing. So then Kurt Schilling should be able to sue for breach of contract. Then. No, because ESPN, I'm sure, has a clause in there. That I'm, believe me, ESPN is fine with this whole thing. They're allowed to do it. I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm just saying it's it's stupid that that, you know, something so, whatever, we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. But they, I'm sure they have a clause where it's like, if you're not representing ESPN properly, we're going to cut you. And so they, and they, they have their out, right? Let's close up with this. This episode went a little bit longer than I thought it was going to, but no problem. I think we've had some good discussions on this one. Yeah. Probably get some feedback. Harriet Tubman is going to be on the $20 bill, Joey. Uh, she will replace Andrew Jackson, the seventh president of the United States. On the front of the 20, Alexander Hamilton will remain on the 10. This will all be done by 2020. Uh, the nonprofit group Women on 20s held a vote which is incidental. This didn't like make the change happen, but they held a vote uh, in which Harriet Tubman won. She beat out Native American tribe leader Wilma Mankiller, who, by the way, would have my vote because of that name, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt and Rosa Parks to be people that would replace Jackson on the 20. Um, They're also changing the $10 bill and the $5 bill. They're going to feature people and events on the back now. Lincoln will stay. Mm -hmm. Hamilton will stay. Um, Got anything on this, Joey? Yeah, actually, uh, Andrew Jackson wasn't the best person, apparently. That's what I'm hearing, and I don't, you know, I've heard that, but I can't necessarily comment on it. I asked you to do maybe a little research. Yeah, a little research. What do you got? So apparently, he was a farmer, and his primary crop was cotton. So apparently... I see where this is going. So apparently... No, but you know, but like, but that's, yes, of course. I mean, all... The first ten presidents of the United States, right, mm-hmm. had slave. All the, all the founding fathers had slaves. So he started with nine slaves, and by 1820 had 44. And later on, is believed he could have owned in his lifetime as many as 300 slaves. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, is that a lot? Is that typical? I mean, for like a fa- for for a wealthy farm owner, is yes, that typical? I think that would be typical. 
Yeah, I mean, okay, well, that's kind of why I wanted to get into it. And good that they didn't take Hamilton off. I know, like, Hamilton's become this huge deal because of the play, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we, we, by the way, had that Lin-Manuel Miranda performance on this podcast way back when we first started this from, like, 2011 is the clip. But uh, we've been talking about this mm-hmm. guy for a long time. Yes. Now the play is blown up. But the New York documentary film that I've watched, Hamilton is a crucial, crucial New York City founder and, like, a very important figure in the early you know, beginnings of this country. He shouldn't have been taken off, of course. Okay, Washington had slaves. Are we taking him off the one? No. The, it's Here's the thing, and I'm not arguing we shouldn't. Fine, take him off if that's the, the, the rationale. Put Harriet Tubman on, put a woman on, put as many women as you want, you know, fine. That, that doesn't bother me. No problem. But we're going to have to go back into a lot of things then if, and revi- revise history, essentially. We're going to have to rethink Columbus Day. We're going to have to go back and think about a lot of this stuff. How do you feel about going back and removing people who are products of the time and the environment that they grew up in? Now, I'm not saying slavery. Obviously, slavery is bad. But if you grew up, you know, you lived in that time, the prevailing uh, opinion was that, like, this is great. Not for slaves, obviously. But. I think you're trying to rewrite history indirectly. And we should never do that. Right. Yeah, I, I agree, right? I mean, the history is what it is. Winners write the history, though. Mm-hmm. But the history is what it is. And to go back... Well, but what But what do you... Maybe clarify what you mean. So, like, you don't think we should go back and say, Columbus was a slave trader and, like, a savage that went and killed all these people when he showed up here. He also discovered America accidentally, but he did discover it. It's a double-edged sword, however you want to do it. You know, some people do great things, and yet they would do some shitty things. Yeah. Uh, the the other thing with Andrew Jackson was that he you know he had extreme views on the Indians, right? Native so, Americans, Joe. Yes. Excuse me, Native Americans. So on, like you had the Indian Remover Act of yeah. eighteen thirty, which basically shipped them all over further to the to the west. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> this is the thing though. Like you just said, there's good and bad in everybody. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, but he's also the president. Obviously he's probably a smart guy and all this stuff. We, again, it's always a theme that we bring up, but I think it is the corporatization of the country and culture in general. Like we like to be able to package things up as a brand and put mm-hmm. them into these nice little boxes and sell them to you as like, Andrew, you know, uh, whatever. Abe Lincoln freed the slaves, had a beard, always told the truth. Like, boop, there you go. Mm. Jackson d- had a lot going on. He was uh, he was a dick to the Indians. He slaughtered a lot of people. He held slaves. He was also the president. He probably did a bunch of good things when he was president, like for the c- shape shaping the country. So, not allowing gray areas and not allowing people to be human, which I think goes back to the Kurt Schilling argument we just had, where it's like. No, you work for ESPN. You don't have any of your own opinions anymore unless they agree with everyone. That's ridiculous. And I feel like it's kind of the same thing with this, taking Jackson off. It's like, yeah, of course, he was a slave owner. Yeah, it's not good that he was, but it's a reality that he was. All of them were. I'm not against him coming off the money, but it's like we we don't have nuanced kind of gray area conversations in this country, and I think it leads to a dumbing down of the society and an inability to to recognize that not everybody is going to agree on everything, but we should work as a culture and as a society to get towards a place where at least there's mutual respect. You don't have to you don't have to think it's okay for gay people to be married. You don't have to, but they're allowed to be. So you got to you have to respect it. That's it. You know what I mean? Like that why is that a problem? I 
I disagree with people that that talk about transgender. Well, you have a dick. You're a guy. No, that Caitlyn Jenner feels like a woman. So I take her at face value. No pun intended. Pun intended. I don't know. But she feels like a woman. She identifies as a woman. Then she's a woman then. It doesn't bother me. You don't have to agree with that. But if the law says it and it's okay, then it is okay. And it's the same thing with this type of shit. It's like, fine, take them off the $20 bill. But if we're going to go back in history and, and get rid of everybody that was a slave owner or did something bad, but also then we're just going to be doing this forever, you know? The main it's, is- a t- it's a tough one. There might not be a right answer. The main issue comes down to who are the individuals making that choice or that decision? Right. And- well, the American people have made this decision partly, right? I mean, there's been a lot of, like, movement. Uh, yes, there, there was quite a amount of feedback to the possibilities that they could take. Right. Let's close with this thought. Mm-hmm. Um, why, why are we even caring about the money to begin with? Why don't we just, like, why don't we take people off the money completely? Like, why does it have all this, like, weird, like, Illuminati symbolism and all these people? It's like, why don't we just m- make it look cool? We'll just change the money all the time. That way it's harder to counterfeit, whatever. Like, let's just make it, have a design contest. Who gives a shit? Put, put, a, put a bear on it. Do, do whatever. Well, that was part of the problem. That's why let, they wanted let, to do the ten. Let Shepard Fairey design the money. That would be great. Who wouldn't like that? Right? I don't know who that is. He's the one that did the Obama Hope poster. Oh, okay. That's right. That's they right. would probably look pretty cool. I don't know. Anyway, pretty good episode, Joey, I think. Great we got through episode. a lot of shit today. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Evan, thank you for producing the program. We really appreciate it. Yep. Glad to be here. You want to weigh in on that uh, that that money thing at all or no? Uh pretty happy about it well not happy i'm happy with the wrong word but you know it's cool it's a good gesture i'm not it's sure a nice it does, gesture but, you know, it's cool. right all right um guys listen go on itunes you can rate and subscribe to this podcast leave us a nice comment on there let everybody know you like the show share it around it helps us out soundcloud.com slash mandatory samson you can follow us on there you can leave a comment on the episode i will respond to those joey doesn't lately but I'll work on it. He's going to get on there and leave, you know, respond to your comments. Uh, you can also go to youtube.com slash mandatory Samson. I put up the full episode videos uh, pretty quick. I mean, they're up pretty much when the episode comes out. You can also watch the show stream live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Give or take, depending on how long it takes us to eat our pizza. Uh, you can also get on there. Evan's been uh, cutting some clips out of the shows. They're like 40 seconds, like a couple, you know, two minutes. Um, you can share those. It's like an easier thing to just share on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Maybe gives people a little taste of uh, what the podcast is all about. Maybe they'll get involved. Twitter.com slash Mansamp. That's your boy right here. Joey is. Joey from Jersey with a Z. Uh, you can also oh email us at mandatorysampson.gmail.com. I respond to all those emails. And if it's a you know an interesting one or something relevant to the conversation, we'll read it and we'll, we'll talk about it on the show. Snapchat, I'm at Mansamp. Joey's also at Joey from Jersey. Forget Joey's Instagram account. He messed up the, uh, <laughs> the username. But you can get me. I'm at Mansamp everywhere. Until next week, take care of yourselves, be nice to each other, give your opinion, but try to be respectful, and, you know, whatever. Just take it easy. We love you guys. We'll see you next week.